Uh, it's fun to begin a new series. We're going to be talking about holy matrimony. <laughs> it's great to thanks to Andy and Vanessa and getting a little insight into their marriage and uh, what that is, what's involved there, and just seeing some of the fun ways that we interact. When we think about marriage, being married is tougher than most people think before they get married, right? If you're married, would you say it's, more, it's tougher? But you know what? It can also be way more fulfilling than most people imagine. And I think before marriage, there can be really high expectations. And after marriage, sometimes there's disappointment. There's a letdown. Oh, it's not everything I thought it would be. But you can experience way more in your marriage if you can understand what it means to become whole and holy. And we want to talk about that in this series. Because if you think about it, marriage is crazy. crazy. Marriage is a really crazy idea. Two completely different individuals who probably didn't know each other for a part of their lives, right? Then they, you know, they have different interests, they have different, you know, tastes, different personalities, different upbringings, and some only know each other for a few weeks or a few months, and they're like, hey, you, me? Like, let's do this life thing together. Like, from now on, for the rest of our lives, let's, let's join together, and let's just do life together. And then you do life together, and you go for a while, and all of a sudden, you know, like you begin a family, and then there's little ones that look like you and act like you, if God blesses in that way, or you adopt kids, and, and it's like you start this whole thing all over again. But it's this crazy commitment of people who are saying, I want to spend and do life together. And so as we look at this, we think, well, how do two people become one? I mean, that's really at the heart of marriage, right? As we're talking about this, this oneness, becoming one. These different interests, like, you know, think about even as you see in that, that video and as you talk about your own life, how, do, how does that happen? How do two people who, you know, again, one like, you know, I like steak, Shannon likes veggies. I mean, how do, we, how do we deal with that? I like to drive fast, other people like to drive slow. Some like, you know, are neat, others are, are disorganized. Some love to spend a lot of money, others like to save in marriage, right? Maybe one of you, uh, you know, wants to have a large family and the other one wants to have a small family. All these things that have to be negotiated in, in marriage take a lot to come together. So how do two people become one? How does that happen? Now, let me just say right off the bat, I know not everyone is married. And so as we talk about a marriage series, you're going, oh, if I'm not married, how do I, you know, is this for me for the next three or four weeks? Some of you are, are widowed. Some are divorced. Some of you are single wanting to be married. Some of you are single and happily single and don't ever want to be married. Some of you are like, marriage is not even my radar. You're in middle school or in high school or whatever. So, you know, we, ha- we cover a range. But understanding marriage and learning what that's about is very important because we're either around married people or we engage in that or maybe one day we will. Statistics show that still about 75% of adults either, you know, are married or eventually will get married. It's a large part of our society. And here's the thing, though. Throughout this series, not just talking about marriage, we're going to talk about communication. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, being able to communicate well extends far beyond marriage, right? We want to learn how to communicate out in, in different ways. So we'll learn about that. We're going to talk about how do we handle disagreements and how do we fight fair and how do we uh, deal with forgiveness. So that extends beyond marriage as well. We're going to learn what God's word says about that. And we're going to talk about how do we express love? How do we share love? How do we receive love? And how do we grow closer together? And those are principles that can apply beyond marriage as well. And so I think there'll be a lot for all of us to learn and to glean through this series. So today, um, we're going to look, again, we're going to start at marriage. We want to lay the foundation. And, and even though, you know, we are in different places, some married, some unmarried, it's not just, hey, you're married and hey, that's a good category and now you're done. No, even within the marriage category, 
Some here may be very strong in your marriage. I hope that's many of us, that you feel, man, marriage is solid, we're good, we're together, we're in this thing, we, we are experiencing life the way God meant it for us to be. It's just getting better and better all the time, and we cheer that on. And I hope this series just helps continue to fuel that. Others are maybe coasting in marriage. And coasting, you might say, it's not, it's not either good, it's not, either, it's not bad, it just is. Life is really busy. Maybe you're in the, in the child you know, age where your kids at home are just keeping you going and, and you feel more like roommates instead of soulmates. But it's not bad, it's not good, but you know what happens if you continue to coast. Eventually, marriages will, will struggle if you don't invest in them, if you don't pour into them. Maybe you're starting to feel like it's unraveling. Maybe there's tension, and, and behind closed doors, you put on a smile when you come to church and you're out in public, but boy, at home, it's tough. The arguments, the fights, the disagreements, the cold shoulders, you're wondering if this is going to last, how much longer? And maybe you're even here today and you're hanging on by a thread, and maybe nobody knows it. Well, I hope that over these next couple of weeks that we can pour into your marriage, that you can build on some of these foundations. Again, whether you're here, whether you're joining online, that, that, that you would take some steps to understand more of what God has for us. And today, like I said, I want to begin by laying a foundation. We're going to get even more practical over weeks two, three, and four. But today I want to lay the foundation for marriage. And as we're talking through the series, how do we become whole and holy? I think that's the desire for all of us. How do we become whole and holy, united as one? To become one together. Because that's what, what happens. You know what one of the problems is in our marriages? It's our two-ness. It's our two-ness. That's what happens. We, we, we think ourselves more as individuals and, and coming at it from separate ways, and, and that's what keeps us from really experiencing what God has for us because we see it like, well, you know, before marriage, like, hey, we, 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 um, we come together, we're going we're gonna to get married, and you, you have your wedding ceremony, and now you share, you know, maybe you share the last name, although some couples aren't doing that anymore, but most people still do, and, and now your, your team, you know, we're team friends, your team whatever. And, and so you come together, but that doesn't automatically mean that you are one. When you think about, again, sports illustrations or teams in general, just because you wear the same uniform and because you have the same objective doesn't mean you still play like a team. If you put a brand new team together, you know that it takes some time for that team to really gel. You have to go through some hard things. You have to have some hard conversations. You might have to push through some difficulties. You go, you go through some trials. You have some victories together. You share together. And over time, that relationship, that two-ness becomes less and less, and you become more and more together as one. And so today, again, we want to talk about what does it look like to become wholly united, whole and holy. I just want to pray that God would open our hearts today to his word and just want to uh, submit our marriages and our relationships to him this morning. Let's do that, and then we'll jump into the foundation. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this gift of marriage, this beautiful relationship that you've created, that we've seen throughout history, and God, that, um, that has shaped us and who we are and our culture and our society. And, and Father, we have so many questions in and around that, but God, I pray very specifically for our relationships and for marriages represented here today. God, that you would grow us and strengthen us and to help us understand your presence in relationship. Make us strong, make us healthy, make us holy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, first thing I want to talk to start off here, like I said, we're going to lay the foundation, and it's this. Marriage is created by God and defined through his word alone. This is why we gather. When we're at the church, this is every topic that we look at, every time we preach, every time we teach, we say, what does God's word say? 
And marriage, the beautiful thing about marriage is it was created by God. It was part of his creation. It was his design, and his word defines that. Now, let's just be honest. The marriage is being defined by so many different people in so many different ways in our culture. Who gets to determine what marriage is? That's a real question, isn't it, today? Is it defined by the U.S. legislature? Is it defined by each country? Is it defined by a state? Is it defined by a Supreme Court? Is it defined by different groups? On the left, on the right? Is it defined by colleges and universities and institutions of higher learning? Is it defined by sociologists, by psychologists? Who defines what marriage is? Is it what social media says? Is it what Hollywood says? Is it what culture says? How do we know what marriage is? Because if we don't know what marriage is, then, then, then we're just going to be pulled in different directions, and, and I think we're fi- we find ourselves in that place. And so we have to go, well, how do we know what marriage is? Well, we want to go to God's Word. And we go to God's Word. I want to look today, I'm going to look at a passage here in just a little bit, where Jesus is answering a question about marriage. And the question, the place that we need to go is we need to go to the Scriptures to look for that, because when Jesus was asked this question, he was asked the question about uh, marriage and divorce, and they were having a debate, and people were arguing, well, what's right and what's wrong? And so what, what Jesus does, he asks this in Matthew 19.4. He says, haven't you read the scriptures? So let me just ask us that question. Have we read the scriptures? With all the debate and with all, the, all the, the, the views and things that are out there, as we're trying to understand marriage, have you read the scriptures? And that's where Jesus begins. He says, let's read the scriptures. Let's look and see what's there. And the very scriptures where we have where Jesus is saying that, we have the scriptures that he read, which, is, which are in the Old Testament. And so today, I just want to look at what Jesus said about marriage, and we're going to dive into this a little more. So what, does, what do the scriptures say? So let's look at the larger context here of what Jesus says, Matthew 19, 4 through 6. So he says, haven't you read the scriptures? Jesus replied. They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So here we have just a few sentences where Jesus says all kinds of stuff about marriage. And we're going to take these verses, and we're just going to go one by one, and we're going to go through this and try to understand what is this foundation that Jesus himself refers to the scriptures of old. He doesn't change them. He doesn't give us something new. He recounts these Old Testament scriptures. So we're going to go back, and we're going to look at each one of these to begin with. So he starts off, verse uh, 4, Matthew 19, 4. He said, the scriptures, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. Now, when I was writing this uh, message, at first I thought, this is an interesting beginning. Why does Jesus begin here with male and female? Why does God begin with gender? Why does God begin with gender? He's answering a question about marriage and divorce. Why does God begin here as he begins to talk about marriage? He goes back to creation. God created them, male and female. And I kind of scratched my head. I'm like, God, what, why is he beginning there? And so I look back, and you look in Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 to 23. It says this, So the Lord caused, in the creation of man, the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She shall be called, whoa, man, because she was taken from man. Okay? So here we have creation. 
And we see that Jesus is referring back to this beginning of time. He's saying marriage, he points back to the very dawn of creation. That helps us understand marriage is part of God's plan in creation. And he begins with them created as male and female. And, and when you look at that, Adam looks at her and he sees her as his own flesh. He says, she is bone from my bone, flesh of my flesh. There's a connection there. Because Adam was created from the dust and she was created from Adam. And I think that's significant. Because there's a part of each of them in the other. There's a bond. There's a unitedness between man and woman that is inherent and designed in creation, as, as uh, Jesus points out here. And I think about in, in, in our world, if, if someone donates their organs after you know, a, a bad accident or something, and, and they donate their organs, and, and the, their heart is maybe put into another person's heart, uh, into another person's body. And what, have you ever seen those stories where a family then will meet the recipient of their loved one's heart? And what do they want to do? They want to, they want to listen in. They, 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 they feel this connection. There's tears. There's, there's a bond there. And I think in this piece here where, where, where Jesus is saying from creation that, that Adam looks at woman and goes, she's a part of me. We're a part of each other. There's something about the two of us. And so there's something inherent in how we were created. And I would say this, the unity and oneness of a husband and wife is inextricably linked to their physical maleness and femaleness from creation. This is what we see in Scripture. This is where Jesus begins. God created them, male and female, and this bond of marriage is between the two of them. There's a special connection, a special bond that talks about, when we talk about becoming one flesh, that's a huge part of Scripture that describes marriage. So then we move on here to the next part. After Jesus establishes the foundation, going back to creation, then he says this, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. There's a lot of things happening right here in this, in this verse. So we're going we're gonna to break just this verse down into three parts. There's three essential parts here that we're talking about becoming one in marriage. There's the leaving, right? Then there's the joining, and then there's the uniting. All three are happening here. There's three parts to this becoming one. So as we're talking again, laying foundation for our, our understanding of marriage, this is what we need to look at. So what's this first part? Leaving father and mother. When we look at this part of leaving, it's important to understand we are establishing a new identity. When we grow up in our homes and, and, and you know, as kids, we take that identity from our family, from our parents. It shapes us. It's who, it's who we are. But at some point, we have to leave that relationship and form a brand new bond. Part of that becoming one is leaving that behind. And some marriages are, are still struggle, right, between in-laws and parents still meddling and still being involved, and, and maybe some, one spouse has trouble still, do I give allegiance and honor first to my parents and then to my spouse, and sometimes there's tension in that. Your new primary relationship is the husband and wife bond. It's in the marriage. There's a leaving part that is important, and some of you parents need to learn to leave your kids too, right, after that point, to allow them. Now you're always the parent. And you're always the son and daughter, and, and it's, a, it's a tension sometimes to navigate, but there's a fundamental new identity. Now, in, in Old Testament times and biblical times, there was a lot more uh, direct leaving from the family of origin right into marriage, as marriages were you know, often uh, much younger at the time. Pe people were much younger. Now, the average age of, of getting married is, is between 28 and 30. 30 years old for, for men and 28 years old for women. So there's a, there tends to be a longer time period between maybe leaving the family of origin, even physically from the home, and, and whether it's college and jobs and other things, before getting married. But here's what I want to say to everyone who's not married. 
and who's single and thinking about getting married or in a different stage in life, the importance of you are not complete only when you get married. There's an important part of part of this process of leaving is becoming fully who God made you to be, that you are a whole person in and of yourself, that you don't need to have marriage to complete you. I know the Jerry Maguire line from years ago in the movie, right? You all know it. You complete me, right? Now it's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I would be able to, I would say that to my wife. I'd say, you complete me. But, but if I really step back and think about it, we are complete individuals and need to be complete individuals before being married. That's one reason some marriages struggle is this idea that I can't be complete until I have someone. We see this already in middle schoolers and high schoolers and college students and 20-somethings that I have to be in a relationship in order to feel wholeness. No, 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 no. You can be whole and complete, single, widowed, divorced, never wanting to be married, young, a teenager. God created you whole. Now, other people struggle with getting married as they're single, thinking, I'm going to lose something of myself if I get married. If I, if I get married, then who am I going to be? And I don't know if I can give that up and, and sacrifice that. But here's what I would say. Marriage isn't a losing of yourself. It's discovering more of yourself. That's one of the beauties of marriage. It's, it's, it's that you, you see like who I am, and that's, it's even a multiplier. So you want to be healthy coming into marriage. So that's one of the key pieces that, that you need to work on if you're in this leaving stage. How do you become complete and whole in who you are and who God made you to be? Because that's the best of what you're going to be able to offer to marriage. And then it's like this multiplying effect of it's not just like one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals three or more. It's, it's the beauty, the divine mystery of the way God has created marriage to be more than the sum of its parts. So then you move from this idea of leaving. Okay, now what do you do? You leave father and mother. You leave that primary identity, and now you join together, right? So now this is the second part, the joining together. And, uh, and this happens in, in marriage. We have a marriage ceremony, a wedding, right? And it's a public, um, a public gathering where couples come together, invite friends and family to be witnesses of this. But you know what a wedding is, too? It's a spiritual, and I think we're losing this a lot in, in, in some different ways um, in society, is that a wedding is to be a, a worship service. It's a place where we gather before who? Before God and these witnesses. I say it every time we get married. It's, this is a commitment before God and witnesses. We come together, we're going to join together, and now we're going to leave, and we're going to establish a new household. One of the gifts we have that somebody gave us is, a, is this cool like uh, plate uh, made, made from, from pottery. It has like a family tree on it, um, and on the bottom it says, Krenz, established 1999. By the way, we were married in the last millennium. We were, we were married in the 1900s still. Yeah, I know, that feels old. We'll hold on to that. But we established something new, this joining together. And so we do that when we come together in, in marriage and we, get, we stand before others, we share these vows. You know, we say all these things, these promises that we make that we're going to be there, we're going to be committed to the other person. We want everyone else to see this. We want, we want God to testify this. And I'm going to do this for life. And we talk about this commitment. Do we, this commitment, and, and, and let me just talk about this commitment for a moment, because I think we have a, a, a challenge. In our society, so many times people see marriage as a contract. Marriage is a contract. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. There's a difference there. Marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. When you think about a contract, it's a contract between two parties. If you do this, I'll do that. 
It's about going into something with maybe some suspicion, maybe with some distrust, maybe with some, some uh, you know, uh, I want to make sure I get mine, and so I want to make this, this uh, you know, th- this contract with you, and, and we're going to sign on the dotted line, so as long as you uphold your end of the bargain, I'll uphold my end of the bargain. And I think in society, this is how we have begun to see marriage, because if somebody doesn't uphold their end of the bargain, boom, I'm out. Or if I just don't even want to uphold my end of the bargain, I can break the contract and step out. So contract is this, if you do this, I will do that. That's, that's what a contract is. On the other hand, a covenant says, I will do this regardless if you do that. That's very different, isn't it? A covenant is something that I commit to regardless of your response to that. I am pledging myself to you. This covenant doesn't matter what comes back to me. My commitment is to you. And so that is actually the place and the foundation in which a marriage can really thrive. Versus tit for tat, deal for deal. Who gets what? Who's in? Who's keeping score? Where is it at? It's about saying, I'm in. And I'm going to hold myself to these vows. So another way, a contract says it versus covenant. contract says, I'm in until you do something I don't like. A covenant says, I'm in until death do us part. Very different. And it's when we understand marriage as a covenant, this, this joining together, and we take these vows, right? And I say, I take you to be my lawfully wedded husband, my lawfully wedded wife, right? To have and to hold from this day forward, right? What are some of the things that we say? For better and for worse. For richer and for, we, don't, we want to leave that part out, right? In sickness, yeah, I guess so. But in health. No, we say them, Right? And we've seen beautiful ways in which even here in our congregation, some of you have taken care to the dying day, your spouse by the bedside each and every day in sickness and in health till death do us part. And you have held onto those vows. You have honored those vows in ways where there wasn't the same reciprocal, uh, reciprocal marriage that was able to be given. At times, we're able to give more. At times, we're able to receive more. But there's a beauty that just says, I am there. I am making this covenant with you. And that gives the, the soil where, where, the, the, where the marriage can flourish. If you're constantly feeling like, oh man, it's just hanging by a thread, one wrong move, and keeping score, we don't understand this idea. We make these vows, and then we take these rings, and we put them on each other's hands. It's more than a piece of paper that we sign on. I'm putting this ring on. It's a signet ring on each other's hands. I'm taken. I'm spoken for. There's someone else that I belong to. We have a new relationship. This is us. And that's how we connect. We're joined together. The third part then, the two uniting into one. Now it begins at marriage in, in, before God when we do this. And, and there are many symbols, you know, in, in weddings that um, symbolize this unity, right? The unity candle. Two separate candles, right? You light the unity candle and what do you do? You blow out your individual candles and, and here is the unity candle. This is a new entity, a new life that is formed. This is a bond between us. Others have taken sand, right, and poured, poured sand one, one into the other, these two sands, and, and you kind of go, you can't mix it apart. Once you, you come together, you are now a new blend, a new entity. They're beautiful symbols of, of ceremony. Um, do you know where the, 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 the idea of tying the knot came from? This comes from another symbol. At least some think this is where it came from. It's from a Celtic marriage tradition where couples take their right hands together and, um, and then somebody wraps, the, the officiant wraps a, 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 a rope or a braid or a ribbon around them and does it in such a way that then when they pull their hands apart, it ties a knot and it's, it symbolizes their unity. It symbolizes their linking. 
And so we do that in, in, uh, in weddings. We want to symbolize this is the two becoming into one. There's a, there's a new reality. There's a new entity that is being formed. And so as a pastor then, as a minister in these, in these weddings, I get to say, now I pronounce you husband and wife. And I say, now you may kiss your lovely bride, right? And then they seal it with a kiss. And then I say, it is my privilege to introduce to you for the very first time Mr. and Mrs. Blissfully Naive, <laughs> right? And so, um, <laughs> but it is, that's, that's, what, that's what you're supposed to be on your wedding. That's not a bad thing, right? Because you don't know all that's going to happen. You want to be prepared. And so you hold that moment and you say, we are now one. But you understand that becoming one is now a lifelong process. It's not just because I said it at the altar, it's not just because I was there in the moment, but becoming united into one takes a lifetime to do that. And it begins as we move and you, take, you, you leave the, the wedding ceremony, you have your wedding night, the two becoming one. It comes back to the physicalness of male and female, that joining together, becoming one flesh is a part of God's design. I love what it says in Genesis 2.25 at creation. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. There's something about being vulnerable. There's something about being intimate. There's something about being loved in such a way where you can feel no shame, where you can be who you are, where you don't have to make excuses, you don't have to justify, you don't feel condemned. There's a beauty in that, and it's not just about a physical nakedness. There's a unity that happens in a bond that is formed that goes beyond that, our physical, the emotional, the spiritual, the intellectual. And we're going to talk about some more of the ways in which we, we share that life together over the next several weeks as we talk about becoming whole and holy. So there's the, the leaving, and some said instead of you, you know, joining, leaving and cleaving, to use some other language, but leaving and joining, and then the two becoming one. So Jesus says, this is what happens. That's, that's, that's the process of, of marriage. And then he says this in verse 6. Since they are no longer two but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. Sometimes that just rolls off our tongue. Like, no one split apart what God has joined together. What God has joined together, what does that mean? That God is joining these, this couple together. And I think we forget that, and I think this is one of the most central pieces. If I want to lay a foundation, I want all of us here to lay a foundation for our marriage, it's, is God at the center? If God is joining us together, how does that happen? Our marriages will never be whole until we allow God to make them holy. See, we, we strive, we want a whole marriage, we want, we want to have the best marriage possible, but I believe unless God is at the center, it will never be whole and it will never be holy. What does holy mean? You might be freaking out going, I don't know what a, our marriage is holy. That feels a little bit like, whoa, I don't even know what to do with that. Holy all throughout scripture means set apart dedicated, consecrated to God. It's where you say, this relationship is a relationship that we set apart to honor God. In the everyday, in all the moments, we, we dedicate each other to one another. We're gonna keep this bond holy and pure and sacred for God. And that's in that moment where, God, we go, we dedicate ourselves, we dedicate our marriage to you. And God, we need you in the midst of this. How do we do that? I love Ephesians 5.21. If there was one verse that I think would, would be a key for marriages, it's this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. See how those three parts connect together? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's not just submit to one another. That's good advice, and that's what every couple should do, but why do we do it? 
And what's our motivation? And how do we do it? We have to understand who Christ is. And the, the example that's given there is as, like Jesus in the church. Marriage should be like Jesus in the church. Jesus laid down his life. He gave up his life for the church. He sacrificed it on the cross. Willing to say, I'm willing to die for the church, for the people. And the church, we respond to God's love and we say, because of this great love, we surrender our lives to you. We give ourselves to your, to your service. We dedicate ourselves. And it's this mutual submission that he says, this is between husband and wife, this kind of submission of laying our lives down for one another. Now, in recent years, there's been another symbol of unity at a lot of uh, weddings that, that I've seen, and it's the braided rope. You guys have seen that? Perhaps? No? Maybe not? Anyone? Give me something. Give me a pulse. Yeah? No? No? Okay. Um, <laughs> there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 uh, that talks about um, that two alone are good, but three are even better, and it says a, a three-braided rope is not easily broken. And so what it's talking about is when you take three strands and you begin to braid them together, there's a strength there. And, and what's come to be symbolized in a lot of marriages with the scripture or even using the scripture is this idea that it's, it's husband and wife and God at the center. And if you've ever braided anything, you know that there's this, this part of always bringing what's on the outside back to the middle. And so I kind of see it as if the, the, the wife is on the outside here, the, you continue to come back between the man and with God, to be in that, in that middle spot. And the man comes between God and, and his wife. And then God comes between the middle again and in a way that there creates this braiding, this strengthening of this relationship, this bond that is there that cannot easily be broken. And so how do we submit? I think it's this picture of submitting to one another. And that in the end, when we submit to one another, there's an incredible strength that is there. I think about, uh, you know, this example of how can we love? How can we submit and be that way? It's because of God's love for us. When you think about, remember I talked about covenant, right? This idea that God covenants with us, that he just says, look, I am all in for you, and I hope that you will respond. I'm going to take the first step. I'm all in for you. I'm making this commitment, this covenant, and nothing will break that. And it's in that context that we can flourish, and that's why I believe maybe some of you here, your, your spouse isn't a believer. Your spouse doesn't, um, you know, lead on, on God and doesn't understand this part or it's not a part of their life. You can continue to model this covenant relationship that says, I am all in for you. And I'm going to continue to live my faith and pray for you and live that out and honor God and what I do and how I submit. And I believe God will honor that. And that can strengthen your relationship. Look at Romans chapter 8, God's Christ's commitment to us. Romans 8, beginning verse 35. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? You know, we've talked this whole time about marriage, and I haven't even mentioned love yet. <laughs> See, we think it's just love, and that's if we're in love or if we're out of love. Love is love, and you just got to love somebody. If you love somebody, you can get married to them, and it's all about love. Now, love is an important part of marriage, but it's not the foundation of marriage. It actually begins in this commitment, and, this, and of course, there's a, there's a, there's a bond, and there's, a, there's an attraction, and there's a heart connection. But what we all see this in is in this context of Christ's love, if we understand love, is can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? And look at how he commits to us and what Paul writes here. He says, And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now that, that's a covenant, isn't it? 
I mean, that is a foundation for us to understand love, saying, no matter what, I am all in, I am here for you. And it's that relationship that allows us to flourish. And I believe that part of God's design and creation for those that get married is to experience. In marriage, we understand it's the first place that we are to experience Christ's love. And yet I recognize that it's also sometimes the place where we experience some of the most pain. It's in those deep relationships where it's so easy to wound one another. We're all imperfect in this. No spouse can live up to this high standard. We've all failed. We've all let our spouse down. We've all let others down. And yet we continue to come back. We've let Christ down. And yet what does he do? He says, you know what? Even your reaction, even your sin, those things are not going to separate my love from you. I am all in for you. And then within this bond of marriage, we are to experience the love of Christ to share that with one another, and that's how it can become holy. So how do we braid our lives into Christ? How do we make Christ the center? How do the two become one that God has put together? Well, some of those ways are just that we, we practice the things of our faith, the disciplines of our faith, the things that, that strengthen us, that, that a husband and wife come together and worship God together in church is an amazing place to start. Where you would say, this is a foundation. God's word defines the truth. This is where we can agree on. This is what we come back to, to understand for our lives, for our marriage, for our family, how we interact with others. We can continue to, to submit our lives to Christ through worship, through God's word and teaching. And maybe it's not just your own Bible reading, and, and, um, you know, but, but you do it together as a couple. Maybe you do a devotional together, or you talk about what you've read. Have you prayed together? Have you taken that time to say, if you're facing something difficult, how do you just say, you know, let's pray about that? God, we invite you right in the middle of the situation, the struggle we're having with our kids, or this disagreement that we're dealing with, the financial struggle that's about tearing us apart, the emotional distance that's, that's been forming between us. God, we need you in the middle, and we pull God right back in between us. We braid that cord, and we make it stronger. Because that's how we're going to discover what it means to be whole and holy, submitted to one another. And so today, I just wanted to begin by laying this foundation from God's word where Jesus was asked, what do you say? And he said, this is what the scriptures say. And we begin with this foundation of this beautiful picture of a man and a woman coming together, leaving father and mother, joining together, and being on this process and this journey of becoming one, two becoming one, united under God. That is the picture we have. And I know there's so much hurt and pain and struggle and challenge around marriage, and I believe that the place we need to begin before we talk about how to talk with one another, how to have communication, how to deal with fights, how to forgive, how to love one another more, we need to submit ourselves. And so that's my challenge to you today is to say, where are you needing to submit? To one another, before God, and how can you as a couple pray and submit your hearts before God and say, God, I need you in this. And if it's just one of you, then you come before God and say, God, I just continue to need your help. You pray for your spouse. And you share with your spouse your desire in your heart to move closer to God in that way. And I believe God will honor that and make us whole and holy. Let me just pray for you this morning. Would you bow your heads in prayer? If you're sitting next to your spouse, I encourage you to just take each other's hand right now and pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of marriage. And I know uh, some of the joys that were experienced on a wedding day have turned bitter for some people. And that marriage definitely has its ups and its downs and its challenges. 
But Lord, I believe that you can help us make it whole and holy. God, you created. It's your idea. It's the way that you wired us. It's the way that you wanted to, to bring us together to experience that. And so, Father, I pray that you would come right now and bring healing to, to couples that are hurting, couples that are struggling. God, may it just, there just be this, this submission that just lays themselves bare before you. He says, God, we just need you. We need your presence right now more than anything, and we want to build on that foundation. Father, I pray for those whose spouse does not know you or does not share in the faith together. Lord, I pray for additional strength. I pray for, for courage. I pray for a love and a commitment, God, and a, and, and a presence that, from you that would be undeniable. And God, that would bring a couple closer together. Father, I pray for those that have lost their spouse, that are widowed and, and, and feel that loss. Lord, would you just draw near and be their comforter. God, I pray for those that, that are single, that uh, either are deciding whether or not to get married, but God, that they would find their wholeness in you, that they would find healing, and God, that you would prepare them to be the men and women of God that you have created them to be. And we just give you thanks that you are our God and that you love us with an unconditional, never-ending love that cannot be broken. God, we invite you to be in the middle of our relationships. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.